take them out or if you have your electronic devices, please open your app at this time. Wow, that feels weird. Hallelujah. This is kind of a different angle of coming at this whole series. This will be the next, the last one in this series that I've entitled Enlargement. Uh, are you opening your Bibles? Just open it anywhere. We'll get there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> just open it where you want to and we'll get there. In, in, in Psalm 4.1, he says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. And it, it, as I shared with you, when I read that, I thought, wait a minute, we're missing something there. That distress is meant for something to open and free you up. It's to give you greater access, to give you an increase. That's what that word enlarged, you've enlarged me. But then when I read distress, it means to place in a narrow place. It means to confine, uh, to, to box in. <laughs> Don't amen me right during my introduction now. It means to be placed, and this is now I'm kind of just getting a little squirrely here with the Greek, I mean the Hebrew. It means to be put between a rock and a hard place. It means to have your back in the corner. It means that God will get you in places to where he, he limits your options because he's trying to enlarge something else for you. Because and oftentimes we've been making the wrong choices. And so God will get you to the place where he will put you in distresses to confine and restrict you because he wants to enlarge you. Amen. I want to amen myself. And then, thank you for the help on the front row here. I received the help from the front row. Then last week, we talked about the advantage of adversity. And you need to hear this, and I didn't say this last week, but I want to say it this week, and this is also in the message. Listen carefully, child of God. When adversity hits your life, adversity is sent to you to be a point of information. There is something when you're walking through adversity that you are to extract information from it because apparently God has limited ways and how he's trying to get, show you something. So sometimes he has to put you through adversity in order to get information to you. When you go through, because remember what we said, old Peter, he was, he was our, our case study last week. And it was Peter who said, in the God of all grace, I'm thankful it didn't say the God of all judgment, if I would, then, then let me just be honest with you. We would all be toast. I'm talking, well, I'm talking about if perfection is, is the issue, but the God of all grace, he said, who has called us, this is Peter, remember him? He said, who's called us to eternal glory. So he's, he's telling you and I, get, get your eyes off of this little situation you're in right now and cast your eyes into the eternal. Cast your eyes into the eternal calling you have in Christ Jesus. And he says, and he says these same sufferings, that you're going through, he said, are just for a little while. I just want to stop right here and say, thank you, it's a little while, Lord. And we're going to get through that. You're going to get through this. But he says, but after you've suffered a while, he said, the God of all grace, will watch this now, will perfect you, strengthen you, and establish you, and settle you. Do you see that with God's 
in his wisdom of things, when suffering comes our way, we think adversity and suffering is working against us and God's going, no, 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 wait a minute. If you'll watch out how I'm using this, it's going to turn out. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to settle you. It's going to actually perfect you. And so there's, a, there's an advantage to going through adversity. Now, let me just pause right here. This is still introduction, y'all. And say, I didn't get up this morning and said, Oh, Father in heaven, I pray thee that thou wouldst take me through some sufferings and through some adversity because of what I'm preaching on because the people need to know that I know what I'm talking about. Is there anybody here that's looking for a little suffering? Is there anybody here looking for some adversity? So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going out looking for something to get you in trouble. You know what I have found? That when I was young, I went out looking for trouble. Come on, don't you look at me like that holier than now. When I was young, I went out looking for trouble, Jerry. (laughs) Jerry? (laughs) All right, thank you. Just keep going. But when I got a little older, guess what I found? Trouble comes looking for you. How does that happen? All right. So this series is about extracting what God intended. Now, now I'm not talking about because we need wisdom. Sometimes attacks are are a violation where the enemy has stepped across the line. And like with your health or with your sanity, with your finances, with your family. The devil's trying to, he's come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But so there are some times when he comes, you say, devil, you get your hands off of my stuff. All right, and you tell him where to go. I mean, this is what Deanna said this to me. Yes, she was reading, she'd been reading, was it uh, the spirit of Python? or No, it was the four moons, the four blood moons. She's reading too. Anyway, she, she shared whatever book that was. Um, she says, you know, what, what we usually, what we do is when there's a mountain in our way, we say, well, let me call the preacher or let me call one of the intercessors in the church and say, oh, you got to pray for me. There's a big mountain in my way and I need for you to pray for me to get this mountain. And what we don't realize is what? You're supposed to be, you're supposed to speak to the mountain with your voice and your authority. Oh, call the intercessors to remove this mountain. God's going, I gave you the authority, just speak to it. So there are some things you got to tell to get out of your way. All right. But there are some things, as we're learning here now, there are some things that it's just, and you just pray for me next week. I'm going to step out into a place, I'm going to try to, explain the unexplainable and I'm going to apologize even before I do it because (laughs) thank you, thank you Charlie thank you for the second row giving me a little help this morning Um, because listen folks there, there are things that happen that we just simply cannot explain we cannot understand and the word says if you lean to your own understanding you're going to get in trouble There is a place to where you have to know the character of God, that it's flawless. You have to know that he's not a man that he would lie. You have to know that although men are flawed, Jesus is perfect. And and, and, and you have to know. So when you're going through that, you say, I don't understand 
what we're going through. I don't understand why I'm having to go through this, but I do know this. If I'll let God do this work in me, I'm going to find out something that probably I could not have found out any other way. Now, are you got your Bibles now? We're about to switch from introduction to body of the message. Ready? Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. So we had the enlargement of distress. Last week, the advantage of adversity. Ah, but watch out. Today, we're going to talk about the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I know this is not the kind of thing that's going to make you want to get up and do a Jericho march right in the middle. Why have we got to talk about suffering so much? Well, because there are a lot of people suffering. I noticed last week when I said, how many of you were walking through adversity? I said about 70, 80% of the hands went up. So I just went home and said, thank you, Lord. You know where we are. You know what we're going through. And some of you just needed a word of encouragement. Some of you need a strategy. How am I going to get through this? And that's, that's what I believe this series is about. But today I'm talking to you about the fellowship of sufferings. And here is my subtitle. Ready for this? Because this will take you by surprise. Desiring the single greatest measure of love's reward. Sufferings for Christ is the single greatest measure of how you can show your love for him. Why do you say that? Because it is his single greatest measure of how much he showed he loved you. He laid down his life. Folks, he was beaten. He was tortured. And he was mocked. And, he's going, and yet in all of that, listen, look at me. He said, but for the joy. I need for somebody sitting here to get a hold of that. As you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? As, I mean, that was one of the movies I wept almost all the way through it because a revelation is I'm watching this. I'm having an emotional experience. I'm having a spiritual experience because as they're beating him, it's coming to me, Bill, he did this for you. That beating that he's taken is yours. He's suffering. You see the agony. You see the brutality. You see the graphic violence of his blood coming out on that cross. He said, if the revelation is that's for you. And it just, oh God, you did this for me? I don't know anybody here who's ever had somebody die for you. I'm talking about physically. That's what we all have when you think about Normandy. When you think about uh, any war that we faced and men and women have gone out and shed their blood on some battlefield somewhere, well, that's kind of, it's almost a difference. But I don't know if you've ever personally had somebody save you that, you know, it really changes the way you think about things. And Paul says something very interesting in Philippians 3, verse 10. And I want you to look at it with me. In Philippians 3, verse 10. And he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings becoming conformed to his death. Would you lay your hand on your Bible there and let's agree together. Father, this is the word of God and we love your word today. We reverence your word. We've hidden it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. It's a lamp to our feet and a light 
to our path. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never pass away. And you said it will not return to you void. You said you watch over your word to perform it. So Lord, perform your word today in us. Give us revelation of what it means to share in the fellowship of your sufferings. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Desiring the single greatest measure of love's reward. Beloved, of a truth I tell you that we owe so much to so many. You sitting there, me standing here. Do you understand that we stand on the shoulders of someone who paid a price that you can sit there in a nice comfortable chair in a beautiful building on a Sunday morning and you can just worship freely. One of the most amazing things to me, ladies and gentlemen, is that I've been to 19 countries and and many of them third world countries. When I've gone to places like Haiti and like Kuwait and like Indonesia and, and places to where Christians are being persecuted and I come back and I realize that an American passport is the most coveted passport in the world. We are seen as the land of opportunity. We are seen a place where dreams come true. People are are fighting to get across our borders to come to this place, to come to the land of blessing. Can I get an amen? Is it not true? And yet, I'm afraid that we as American Christians do not really appreciate the suffering that preceded us that gives us the freedom and the blessing we enjoy. And so as I told you, I'm not looking for suffering today. This is not, okay, Bill, did, did you swallow martyr pills this morning? I mean, are, 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 you, are you just aching for a breaking, itching for a stitching? Come on, pastor, what's going on with you? No, what I see, listen, 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 that if I preach to you all the good stuff, and I like the good stuff, just in case you didn't know. But also, if I fail to tell you about the other stuff, I am not a true messenger of the gospel. And I, and I, can't, I can't line up with history and where we came from when you think about, for instance, Moses. It says that he chose the afflictions of God people instead of the joys and pleasures of Egypt. It was a self-selected suffering. He could have had it good, y'all, but he stepped across and he said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna suffer with God's people. I mean, I would be remiss if I did not tell you about the three men in the fire. Oh, I love that. By the way, I'm going there next. Today, we're talking about Paul. Next week, we're going to talk about Joseph. Because I'm talking about God meant it for good. And yet, you've got those three men, and I love their faith. Listen, listen, listen. They come in, and, and King said, all right, you, uh, you see this idol here? You know, I'm going to play. I'm going to put on some Metallica back there, you know. And a little high, you know, what? Uh, Sandman exit, you know, or ACDC, highway to hell. Give it, come on, hit it, you know. Now, when you hear the music, he says, you're going to bow down. Sorry, I, those of you who said, he doesn't know Metallica. That, that was kind of after my time. Yeah. It's all pre-1980, y'all. That's all I know. Uh, now, Aerosmith, jaded. There you go. Anyway. Okay, so you hear the music. And you're going to bow down, boys. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love them because here's what they said. You understand that they, they were not suffering for doing wrong. They were being challenged and persecuted because they were standing for what was right. And, 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 and old Neb, old Nebby baby, he's saying, um, all right, when you hear the music, I want you to bow down. Well, the music started playing and everybody bowed down except for the three Hebrew boys. Thank you. Y'all know that's my three sons. Okay. Okay. And the king comes, hey, y'all ain't bowing. What's up with you? Better bow, O king. <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing. You know, we're not going to dish you, but um, we're not bowing. And they said, um, oh, I love this. Watch now. Because this, this this, there's a whole message of what I'm about to say, but I got to, I got to move on. But they said, we are not going to bow to your idols. And they said, our God, <laughs> y'all know where I'm going with this? Our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. Come on, come on, you know. Our God is able to deliver us. So that was, there was their first position of faith. We have a God who's El Shaddai. We have a God who's all powerful. Don't mess with him. Talking about don't mess with Texas, don't mess with Jehovah. And our God is able. But now watch this. Now they throw in a different layer that we haven't said. It's called faith's alternative. And it said, they said, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to your idol. And the king says, all right, that's it. He said, bind them hand and foot. And he said, and take them and heat up the fire seven times hotter than before to the extent that the, it got so hot that the people who threw them in perished in the flame. How I many you know that's a hot fire? That's not a fire, that's a fire. And it says, it says that the king Y'all still out there? Y'all okay? The king is looking into the fire and it says they're up and they're kind of chilling, you know? They're chilling in the fire. You get what I'm saying? And they're walking around. (laughs) And he's looking and he's going, hey, wait a minute, hey, hey, hey. He said, one, two, three. How, How many did we throw in there? Three. There's four. And one of them is like the son of man. Like the son of God. He's in the fire with them. And old Nebby baby goes, hey, hey, come out of here. It's not right that I throw you into a fire and you're walking around. Come on, that's an insult. When I throw you into the fire, you're supposed to burn, baby, burn. Oh, no, come on, you're not feeling me here. Come on, come on. I may be white, but I got chocolate inside of me. Come on, come on, come on out here. Come on, come on. You know what you don't catch there? is that they came walking out. 
And he said, yeah, your God's God. That's it. Well, hey, everybody, no, 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 they're God. They're, he's, he's the one. Here's what you don't, here's what you miss. First of all, they faced, they faced suffering and affliction. They faced adversity. But one thing we learned is that they didn't face it alone. Don't make me amen you. And then the other thing is that it said that when they came out, anybody ever go into those places where they're in there smoking? I mean, they're in there, you know, you know, and you walk in and you come out and you, you know, you, you, you got, you had your Febreze on, you know, you, you smelling good. And then you smell like a Marlboro. Why? Because you just went into the smoky room. It said that the three sons, when they came out, it said not only was even a hair singed on their head, it said, now watch, they didn't even smell like smoke. Get out. What? You've you been in the fire? I don't even smell smoke on you. But here's what you miss if you don't read it carefully. Remember they were thrown in bound hand and foot but they're walking around in the fire free. When God sends you to the furnace of affliction the only thing that's burned are the things that are holding you back. Hey man, a 55-year-old, I can still cut a jig if I want to. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself. <laughs> so please, please, please don't pull a muscle, Pastor. Now, here's the thing about this. You, 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 gotta, you gotta study the whole book of Philippians. Because remember, it's called the pastoral epistles. All right, no, excuse me, the prison epistles. All right, as Paul is writing, I want to know him, and the power of his letter, and the fellowship is suffering, becoming like him. He's sitting in the prison, y'all. Kind of helps to know that. You want to know what the theme of the whole epistle is? Ready? Joy. Joy. There's one where he says, um, he says now here's what I want you to do. Rejoice in the Lord. And in case you didn't hear me say it the first time, <laughs> rejoice. Say, that's why we don't sit on the front row. He gets a little bit too close. They all have their ponchos on over there, by the way. The theme of the whole thing is joy. And yet, let me bring it up to you where, where we got here because there's something that's amazing right there. He goes through this whole thing to talk about, you know what? As, as, as far as zeal, I persecuted the church, baby. You can't touch me. He said, as far as legalism, I'm Pharisee, baby. I got it all together. He said, I'm over the tribe of Benjamin. Are you, you want to try to put your pedigree against mine? I'm Saul of Tarsus. You can't mess with me. I was under the school of Gamil. Man, I got my PhD. I got my doctrine. Baby, I got my graduate stuff. You can't touch me. And then he comes down, now I'm paraphrasing it. And he come down, he said, and whatever was gained for me, I counted lost. He said, now, in fact, he said, I counted all things lost. And watch this. He said, and consider it rubbish. Well, that's a nice British word. We don't use rubbish in America. What do we use? Garbage. Yeah, or crap. If you want to just get down street level... 
you know, let's just go, just break it down for me, brother. Bring it down to where we can get hold of it. All right. He said that now everything that I compared, actually he did say dumb. So if you don't like crap, then it's dumb. And he said, everything, I want all of my religious badges that I go around, you see this? That means I'm somebody. That means all that stuff had to go off. And he said, you know what? That's nothing compared to the greatness of the knowledge of knowing Jesus. Can I tell you a little something about that? Let me tell you a little something about that. Saul of Tarsus was an interesting man. Because you understand that one of the things that really, he stood there and he, he held the coach of those who were stoning Stephen. Remember we're talking about the fellowship, his suffering? Now stay with me. While Stephen's being stoned, what did we say? The heavens opened and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Every other reference has him seated. But at the point that suffering is taking place for his sake and his name, the Son of God rises. In honor, wait a minute, blood. He's seeing the, he's seeing the, the, the stones. And here, can you imagine for a moment that apparently there was a presence that came over Stephen because you know the, st- the stones are hitting him and they're, they're, they're opening up. And I mean, they're beaten into death. He's being stoned to death. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. And he, and he says, and he saw the glory of God and he has the frame of mind. Listen, listen, listen. He looks and he says, Father, forgive them and don't lay, ah, boom, boom. Ah, don't lay this to their charge. While the stones are pelting him, he's saying, don't lay it to their charge. And there's old Saul standing over there with the cloaks in his hand bearing witness to this and guess what it wasn't but a little while later that Saul was on a little road called Damascus and they said oh speak about blessing tell us about blessing oh hang on we're going to go there And, and Saul is on the road to Damascus and he is being a zealot for the Lord I'm more excited about God than anybody in this room and then all of a sudden, it says that um, says he was knocked off his feet. That's one of your first references of being slain in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I love this. And and y'all y'all okay? Y'all still out there? The Lord says to him, Jesus. He says, um, "Hey." He says, why are you persecuting me? We're talking about the fellowship of his suffering. There was fellowship in heaven as somebody suffered being stoned to death. Now we're on the road to Damascus. And he says, you know all that stuff you're doing to the people? Guess what? That's my people. And when you did it to them, you did it to me. That's the reason I said, careful what you do to his church. Don't hurt his body because he may give you a Damascus Road experience. Here's a crazy thing. He says, um, he says, he, he as much as later in the verse, I'm, I'm kind of crunching time here. He says, he says Paul, he's, by the way, he had a name change. I was trying to try and figure out when it was. Somewhere in there, Paul had a name change. I saw and he went to Paul. And Jesus says this over him. He said, for he is one of my chosen ones, 
and I will show him the things that he must suffer for my namesake. What? I talk about God is good all the time. God is good. Uh, Yeah, he is. But sometimes he may call some people to go through some suffering so they can get information they can't get anywhere else. And, 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 oh, here's a crazy one. And then it said he blinded him. Think about that, y'all. Said he, he, he blinded the man so he could make him see. You think about that for a minute. Because three days later, Ananias prayed for him. It said scales, like scales fell off of his eyes. And then later on, he writes to the church at Corinth. Now, this is this, is this man. I'm talking about this, this is this man. I'm talking about the one that wrote this verse we just read. This man, I, don't, I haven't memorized the whole litany thing, but I was shipwrecked, you know. I was beaten of my brethren. I was stoned three times, and that wasn't talking about legalized marijuana. I mean, you know, uh, he's, I was... Uh, you know, all that I was beaten with many strikes. I mean, he goes through this whole litany of things that he suffered. And you want to know what he puts at the last at that list? This is another whole message, by the way. The last thing that he puts there that he probably suffered the most, he says, my burden for the church. Some people don't realize how pastors suffer with a burden for the church. And after all these things, after all, now are you still with me out there? Y'all okay now? After all these things, he comes up at verse 10 and says, that I may know him. He told the church at Galatia, Galatia he, said, he said, I bear on my body the marks or the scars of the Lord Jesus. If Paul were standing here today, he could rip his shirt off and show you that he just his back was just mass scars. And he's saying he, he he'll look at you and he'll go, That's the scars of Jesus. That's the marks of my significance to him. Because I'm being shown what I must suffer for him. I know this is a backwards message, but don't don't check me out yet. And and he comes and he says. Another version, the NIV says, I want to know him. This one says, I may, that I may know him. Look at me. I've read this for years, and I've gone, you know, Paul, come come, come here, Paul. Can can we talk a minute? You know, Paul, this this is late in your ministry. (laughs) You know, after a while, if you're going to get up and preach Jesus, don't you think you ought to get to know him? And, and, I, and I kind of go, Paul, look at everything you went through him, for him. I mean, you, you bear on your body. You're sitting in prison for him. You're talking about joy. And now, after the end of all of your experiences, and you met the resurrected Lord. That's how he knew future had invaded the present because the risen Lord had come back to where he was. And he's and and, and, and I kind of want to go, Paul. Uh, you know, you you do know him, don't you? No, folks. He found he found something greater. He found a secret access to an intimacy. And here's the way I want to put it: in these three levels, I'm going to show you a fellowship of his suffering. It's it's intimacy or into me see. 
It's when you go through the fellowship of his sufferings, it's into him you see and it's into you you better see because these things reveal who we are. And I want to say, Paul, man, have you got some kind of messianic complex, dude? I mean, are, are, are you taking martyr pills? I mean, are, are you looking for a fight? And all I know is, is that what he has learned and what he suffered as being an apostle, that it got him to know Jesus better. And it was so profound and so impactful that he comes back and says, and I want to know him more. The world would call this man crazy. But he had, he had the right mind. And can I tell you, one of the persecutions he experienced, we're talking about Paul, y'all. That rhymes, thank you. Here, here's the thing. Paul, Saul of Tarsus was known. One of the words that you use about Saul, they said he wasted the church. It was a mafia term. This is the man that's known. He's the one that stands and holds the coat of everybody while they're stoning the deacons. He's the man that's going around putting Christians in prison. He's the one that's going around killing Christians. And then he meets the risen Lord on Damascus. And it changed, he got revelation. Jesus didn't go back and said, all those years at Hebrew University, no, he says, I'm going to give you download of who, I, I am the word. I'm going to give you down, of, I'm going to show you who I am. From that point on, you see, every time that Paul talks about Jesus, he said, for I received of the Lord revelation. That's right, that communion passage, that which I, uh, the, the, the night of the Lord was tried, you know, that was I received from the Lord. In other words, it, he didn't learn about Jesus through the preacher. He didn't learn about Jesus through mama and daddy. He didn't learn about Jesus by reading through some history book. He got a personal encounter of a divine kind and it changed everything. Now, here's what you've got to catch. He gets converted. You know, some people get saved. <laughs> and some people get radically saved. Paul got a major dose of Jesus. And it changed. Now, you got to picture this. He comes back and he comes to, to the apostles and he comes to all of them there in, in Jerusalem. And he says, um, he says I, I'm here. I'm here to help you to preach that risen Savior. Now, are you catching that? They're all looking and said, didn't we see him? Here's what we, we become disconnected of how powerful this was and what he experienced in preaching the gospel. It would have been like if Osama bin Laden walked in this church and said, I've received Jesus. Everybody say, what? You're a murderer. You've killed other Christians. Exactly. And I met the Lord, and he changed my life. How many know there had been a few people in the building that a little suspicious of Saul? How many know that that's not the way to start out a ministry? You know, if you want to win friends and influence people, you better watch out. All right. Y'all good? All right. That I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I, got, a, I got a encouragement there thank you Lord I just received that now I want you to put this picture up see how we're doing alright put this picture up can y'all see that alright 
This was actually painted in 1883. It was a depiction of early Christians. It says that that persecution broke out on the Christians and they were scattered out through Asia Minor. God used persecution to get them out of their comfort zones. They would have stayed in Jerusalem, but because persecution came, it scattered them to the nations of the earth. And God says, good, I planted you as seed in foreign lands. I planted you as seed. And it said, unless a grain of seed, help me somebody, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it reproduces, it multiplies. So in other words, there's, there's a resurrection to the death of that seed. There's something that it contains, a hidden instruction. It's inside of you. And it cannot be activated and multiplied until it dies. I want you to look at me. Church, part of the reason I'm, I'm preaching this message today It's prophetic. I believe that probably most of us sitting in this room will not die as martyrs. I believe many of us, most of us, will not die for the sake of Christ. 100% of all of us in this room will have to give ourselves as a living sacrifice if we want to know the fellowship of his suffering. 100% of us will have to be a living sacrifice if we want to know what the fellowship of his sufferings are. You see, because what you don't realize, and and, um, you can't see it there, can you see see the crosses that are around the the arena? Can you see that, y'all? Can you see the ones, the crosses that are right here? Are you noticing they're on fire? They set, they set brush down beneath them and they lit it. And while, this is, this, is like, this is like the early version of the octagon. This is how the Romans entertained it, to see the Christians be persecuted and murdered to death. So on, around the, the, the arena, the Colosseum, are, are Christians hanging on the cross and some of them are being burned alive. The other ones you can see down here that these animals, they starved them to death for days and then the Christians and all their little families would, would gather up realizing we're about to be consumed and these animals would eat them alive. Let me tell you about the shoulders you and I stand on. The Bible calls them a cloud of great witnesses. You read Hebrews chapter 11 and it wasn't because of all their success and because they built big buildings and made a great name and was found on TBN. It was because of things they suffered, things they had to overcome because of the persecution and because of the impossible circumstances they found themselves in when all odds were against them. And God says, I love it when everybody counts you out because that's when I'm counted in. And so they, they hit, how, how is it this weak little church can win an entire generation when they're being gathered and put in coliseums and being made sport of, the word Christian in early days was not a term the way we use it today. It was, it was a derogatory term. It was disdain. It was, it was like calling them a freak. That's more of a modern term now. Do you know, I'm just, I, glory to God, I'm just feeling it now. I had taken a team to Aldershot, England, a, t- a team of youth and 
everyone, all the kids were dressed up in black clothes and in mine. We were going out to the to military um, to military town. We went out to the town square, and they started doing skits. And they 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 drew they would draw a crowd, and I would stand up and start start preaching the gospel behind them. But um, we were Deanna and I were walking behind the group. They were in front of us. And they were going, we were headed on the sidewalk. And as we were walking by, there, were, there was a guy, a, a guy and two girls walking on the other side of the sidewalk. And as they passed us, they were looking at our kids. And, and then they could see like some had a cross or something like that here or there. And as they were passing us, the guy looked at one of the girls and said, Oh, look, it's the Jesus freaks. And I felt God's warmth come over me. Since, see, when you're associated with mockery and scorn and laughter in my name, I have a special fellowship for you. Because you will endure reproach for my namesake. I induct you into the membership of the fellowship of the suffering. And nobody else can get in there unless they suffer for him. There are three, three ways that I found that you can experience. Y'all all right out there? I got to turn the corner here. The fellowship is suffering three levels. One, his sufferings for you. If you ever want to know love, ask him to show you what he suffered for you. Beloved, look at the preacher this morning. I want you to know something. The word says that he carried your sorrow. The word says he's acquainted with your griefs. The word says he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him and by his stripes you were healed. It said that we have a great high priest who was touched with the feeling of our infirmities and he was tempted in every way such as we are yet without sin. And you can know that fellowship of what he suffered for you when you begin to understand that beating and that mocking and all the things. And when he hung on that cross and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That at that moment, all the shame and all the guilt and all the condemnation and everything that you've ever done wrong was imputed or laid upon him. And the son of God was crushed because of your sin and yet the Bible says it was for the joy that was set before that he endured the cross and scorned its shame what did that mean Jesus wasn't in time he's an eternal God somewhere in eternity past I really believe this that he set Wes he set you before him and when you hear hear people say well if you would have been the only one Jesus would have died yes 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 He'd have done it because that's what his love is. And I picture him hanging there bleeding. And his face is swollen and purple and blue from the beating. They plucked his beard out. They spat upon him. They've cursed him. They've mocked him. And he's hanging there and the blood's dripping and he's gasping for air because he's been asphyxiated, asphyxiated by the cross. He can't get air into his lungs. And he's everything, he's struggling just to say the seven things he said. But one of the things we know, he says, it was for the joy that he's looking straight at you from eternity and says, I loved you.
with an everlasting love. I set my love on you before you were in your mother's womb. I already loved you before you knew about me. And when I hung on the cross, that pain, that agony, that suffering I endured was because you are my joy. You can learn about his sufferings through what he did. Secondly, you learn about his, the fellowship of his sufferings by what you suffer for him. By what you suffer for him. Paul's an amazing character. You know, it says... It says that he said, because he said, I was called up into the third heavenlies. And as I saw things in heaven, that he said, I don't even have words. He said, it's actually unlawful for me to tell you what I saw. But now a lot of people don't like this part. They don't like this part of the preaching. He says, but then he said, because of the great revelations I had of Jesus and who he was, he said, there was a sign to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And he says, and I sought the Lord three times and said, Lord, will you remove it? He called it a thorn in the flesh. He said, I, I, I sought the Lord and said, will you remove this thorn from me? And what did Jesus say to him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my strength is perfected. And do you know the last part of that, that, that whole path? And then Paul goes on to say, now listen, are you still with me? Stay with me, don't, don't, don't check out on me. Paul says this, he says, therefore, since I have found strength in my weakness, I would therefore much more gladly boast in my ready and my reproaches and my insults in my difficulties, in my hardships, in my necessities, and in my persecutions. He says, because it's when I'm weak, I find I'm strong. And it's there when I'm in these conditions that Christ manifests himself to me. And so in other words, he was suffering for the sake of Christ, much like the ones that you just saw. They didn't invite it, they just took a stand. Hey, can you, you believe that's happening today? Do you believe it's happening today? How about Duck Dynasty? I know that's controversial, but I'm telling you, part of that is persecution. Or um, Dan Cathy, Chick-fil-A, Sarah Palin. I can start going, I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about people who take a stand and in this culture we are now living back in Rome. If you stand up for Jesus, you make yourself a a target. That's why this preacher is telling you about what we're walking through right now. That in this culture where we've taken laws out of our public place, you can't hang the Ten Commandments up. We told our kids in public school, you cannot pray. We're talking about you can't go around the mall and say Merry Christmas. I mean, come on now. We're heading that direction. And so what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to arm you. I'm trying to get you ready because when we go through it, it's going to be backwards. You're going to say, you know what? It's horrible. No, it's going to turn out for our good. Because there's a special fellowship. Oh, I, I, I've got to move on now. Then the last one is the fellowship of his sufferings with the brotherhood. With the brotherhood. James, excuse me, First John 3 says, Marvin, not, uh, my brethren, when the world hates you, we know we pass from life to death because we love our brothers. 
Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. That's where it starts getting hard, y'all. Because the word said, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. He says in the book of Philippians earlier in that, he says, it's been granted to you not only to believe on the Lord Jesus, but to suffer for his name's sake. Here's the only thing I'm going to tell you, folks. If we as the church and I as a pastor, if we're not experiencing some level of persecution, what it means is we look too much like the world. Because Jesus said, woe to you if the world speaks well of you. Because if they all say they love you, then you're not making a distinction between where you are and where they are. And a person who stands for righteousness, a person who stands for truth, says, I will not compromise. And if somebody says, well, well you're a narrow-minded bigot, you're a homophobe, you're a sectarian, you believe yours is the only way. Say, no, I, that's, that's the, only th- the reason I believe mine's the only way because he said I'm the only way and I can't readjust what he said. That's what he said. That's what I believe. So you got a problem with that? Take it up with him. You can persecute me, but I'm not gonna deny him. But listen, even, even now, I'm thinking of that pastor over in, in Iran. Have you, heard, have you heard the news on that? Because he, had, he was starting an orphanage over there. They took him. And folks, catch this now. Come on, Jeremiah. I, I'm going to keep going and going if I don't get some help. I'm sitting, as we're sitting in this, this, such, such a beautiful atmosphere with his presence and it's a nice, comfortable chair. There's no risk for you right now. You just, we're going to dismiss and you're going to go eat and life's going to be good. And there's an Iranian pastor sitting in a jail, in a prison right now. And they, they're beating him. They just, they sent him to the hospital to treat him and they've released him and put him back in prison. He's being made a political toy. Now, as much as I believe we ought to be diplomatically doing everything and praying, on this side of looking at it in the natural, it looks really sad. But Jesus has got a different view of this. Here's a man that's being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Here's a man that's living through a little season of suffering but he's going to step into an eternity of joy. And Paul put it this way. He says, for the the, the afflictions that we we temporarily endure now will be far outweighed by the glory that will be revealed then. Do you see that, friend, whenever you suffer, whenever you go through trial or affliction, it's going to work on your behalf. It's going to be good for you, it says. And he says, all things work together for the good. Y'all okay? He said, greater love has no man than this. Jesus did. Greater love, put that up there, has no man than this. Than what? That a man lay down his life. Church, I'm going to issue us a challenge today. I know this is not a warm, fuzzy sermon. I know this is not a pastoral pep talk. God did not assign me to be a motivational speaker to this generation. He called me to be a prophet. He called me to preach his word. 
And I'm not called to tickle your ears. I'm not called to scratch your back and to get and and, and, and to fill your fancies. I'm called to call us back to reality where we are. And there, there's a third of the world, third of the church right now that's in persecution around this world. And we can we can join them by praying. Some of us can go there. Some of us may be sent there. Some of us may need to go up beside somebody around in our culture that's being persecuted for Christ. They can stand beside and say, I'm with him. And if you're going to shame him, you might as well shame me because this is my brother. This is my sister. And I won't let them stand alone. I'm a Christian too. So if you're going to shame them, shame me. That's fellowship. That's going out and, and understanding that Jesus is also going to give a revelation to the ones who suffer with those who are suffering. Here's why I think that there's a measure of greater love because that's what we said. There's, suffering is the, is the single greatest way to measure your love for God. One, His love was measured for you through suffering. Two, your love will be measured for Him by what you're willing to suffer. Thirdly, your love will be measured by how much you lay down your life for others. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I want to pass on to you some things that I read this week. This is from, some of this is from Richard Wormbrandt. If you've ever heard the, the book called Torture for Christ, he was a Romanian pastor that had been tortured for many years. He actually spoke at Christ for the Nations when I was out there. Um, He talks about the last day's church and how we will go through a time of suffering because in the last days it said, and they will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testament, and they love not their lives unto the death. That, folks, is talking about a church that will be purified through affliction and pain and suffering and persecution because of our stand, because the world's going in the, in the opposite direction. But I, here's what I gleaned, and Father, I'm just going to touch on these and we'll be done. How to survive and thrive in sufferings and persecution. Number one, make sure that you're suffering for the right reason. <laughs> Um, Peter talks a lot about that says don't suffer for doing wrong but if you suffer for God's will then it says this is acceptable and pleasing so when I talk about don't, don't, don't suffer for doing wrong in other words don't be an idiot for Jesus I mean, I, I mean I've seen some people it's, it's like they were they were bad breath for the church they'd go and by the way they'd go you know tell you know you're going to hell you know God hates you and gives such a distortion a caricature of who God is that, and then they get uh, a little oh, poor pitiful me no you brought that on yourself but if you stand up for right and you don't compromise yeah persecution is going to come your way but guess what Jesus said blessed are you when men persecute you, uh, revile you, say all manner of evil against you. And he says, leap for joy. And how joy? He said, because, you know, they also persecuted the prophets and they crucified the Son of Man. So you're in good company. Secondly, and I heard somebody, it might have been you, Charlie, count it all joy. If this week, you say, oh, I wish he hadn't preached on that. 
Because I'm, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually going through some persecution right now. I'm, I'm suffering. Well, the Bible says count it all joy. In fact, when you should be uh, taking pills and getting sad, you know, just, I, I'm going to just shout. I'm gonna, because I'm, I'm being inducted into the fellowship of the suffering. You're blessed. Three, you need to endure it patiently. Endure it patiently. Ecclesiastes says, in the day of prosperity, rejoice. But in the day of adversity, consider. Remember what we said? There's something that God wants to show you when he allows you to go through tough times. Avoid the victim mentality. Number four, learn to extract information from your adversity. We said that. Number five, receive the end of your reward. You say, how do we do that? Because the God who promised you, if you'll just be faithful to him, when you get through that that season of suffering, he will be waiting there at the end to reward you for your faithfulness. So you say, but how can I do that? By faith, you can say, I'm going through this. I'm going to get, I'm not going to deny Jesus. I'm not going to join. I'm not going to bow down to some other idol. You know what? I'm going to go through for Jesus. And Jesus said, good, you received the end of your faith. You can do it. Look, number six, to the author and finisher of your faith. Remember him. He hung on the cross for the joy that was set before him. And seven, desire the single greatest measure of love's reward. And that is greater love. The greater love that lays down its life in love. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I close this service, if there is a person here today that says, Bill, I'm not right with God, or if I were to die today, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. But I I want you to know you can know. Because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what he said. So if you're here today, and I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to to give everybody this opportunity. If you're here today and say, Preacher, I need to get right with God, and I want you to pray for me. I want to leave this building today knowing that if I died, I would go to heaven, and I don't want you to leave me out of this prayer. If that's you, I just want you to get your hand up all over this building. Say, I need for you to pray for me. I need to get right with God. That's you. Yes, yes, thank you. Somebody else over here? All right, yes, yes, I see that hand. All right, let me give you just, anybody else who has not raised your hand, I want to give you this opportunity. Come on, Christian, pray with me. This is so important. I don't want to rush through this. If you feel a tug on your heart, say, Pastor, I'm not right. There's stuff in my life. I need to get right with God today. Don't leave me out of this prayer. And that's you. You want me to pray for you. If you haven't put your hand up yet, just up and down. Let me see who you are. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Those who raised your hands, I want you to step out and meet me down front here. Junior, I want you to come on down. Anybody else, if you raised your hand, I want you to come on. Meet me down here, right down here up front. Come on. Come on. Somebody thank the Lord today for, for Junior. Thank you, Lord important to make a public confession, isn't it? I want you to stretch your hands out this way. Father, I thank you for this testimony 
that stands here today. Lord, a testimony of your amazing grace. And Father, I'm praying over Junior right now a revelation of who he is. And Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I break every curse off of this man's life. I declare him to be free in the name of the Lord. No more things of the past will come to try to kill him and try to steal from him and try to take away from him what you've promised. I pray that he would have the witness inside of him that he is a child of God and that his name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now we pray for our brother and I pray for this young lady who raised her hand in the back. God, that they would have the awareness that you are for them and not against them. And I pray, God, a hedge of protection that they would be able to stand strong for you and serve you all the days of their life. And God, I thank you that you'll help us to love them and to disciple them until they grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Father, we thank you for these testimonies here today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise?